1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live, Market Watch Edition. I'm uh, Jeremy Olshan, the editor of Market Watch, and with me is Lucas Alpert, who has, uh, I think as I've said before, one of the best beats on the site, uh, financial crime. Uh, welcome, Lucas, and thank you for doing this.
0: No problem. I always love to talk about financial crime.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, reading through all the stories we've done, you have done know, the past few months, I mean, one theme, and we've talked about this before, that comes through is hubris. And I, I was just reading this book on how Greek mythology applies to modern life. And the, in mythology, hubris was always what brought people down. You know, it's Icarus flying too close to the sun and, you know, King Midas, you know, you know absurd gold wish. And your stories all seem to involve similar kinds of absurd level of hubris and people getting their and
0: Oh, I think that's really very much the theme of the whole thing. So it's always that somebody finds like a some weird loophole or some, you know, kink in the system that allows them to, you know, pocket a few extra dollars here and there. And then they just keep doing it and they do it again and again. And finally, that that number just gets too big for like nobody to notice anymore. And that's always just like that one. They just steal money one time too many uh you know and it just that's what always gets them caught they just you know they i i always wonder i'm like do, do you not think somebody's gonna notice that you just took like a 17 million dollars like you know how they think that now they don't get caught but they they apparently they don't because yeah. they get caught all the time
1: you should use the proceeds to buy like a, a toyota not a Lamborghini. <laughs> There's that, very, yeah.
0: Exactly. Uh-huh. Um
1: um you know so we also offer tips to uh financial fraudsters (laughs) right exactly (laughs)
0: um i mean so you know looking ahead of you know the year to come i mean it's like experts always would tell you you know look at the old tried and true mantra follow the money so wherever the money is uh that's where the that's where the scammers are going to go so what in this coming year where where's the big money coming from it's going to be Probably a lot of scams are going to pop up around the infrastructure bill that just got passed. That's one point two trillion dollars about to be, you know, pumped into the system. So some of it's going to go awry, and if you know the Build Back Better plan gets passed, that's like even more. So, um, you know this stuff goes in cycles. So, you know, people will, will you know, scammers will do that. They'll go to where the money is. And, you know, it usually takes like a year or 18 months for like prosecutors and regulators to kind of figure it out. And then you start seeing a spate of prosecution. So what we've seen in the last year in 2021 was, uh, you know, all the people who ripped off the PPP loans and the EIDL loans, like there, there's a lot of prosecutions going on there. So there was a lot of really curious and, wacky stuff uh that popped up around you had, had a
1: stat it was uh i think out of the three and a half trillion in aid there was a hundred billion in fraud it's something like almost three percent yeah <laughs> it was that was
0: the secret yeah. service put yeah. that figure out like yeah. in november that was their estimate that a hundred million a hundred billion of the three and a half trillion went went awry and they're you know working to claw that back and there's just literally every day somebody's being indicted for you know lying on their applications and saying they had a company with 500 employees when they had like none you know or you know they were just submitting documents uh that were just made up fake tax returns that whole thing so you know then they're now getting caught for a variety of reasons all right uh,
1: so let's go through some of the uh the more egregious examples and also those uh watching this if you have questions as we go um you know, please put them in the chat. We'll try to get to as many as we can, uh, at the end.
0: Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think we could start with, uh, you know, m- m- one of the ones that really like jumps out are always the things that jump out is that people go and buy luxury cars. I, I don't know. This is a thing people have. I'm, I'm not a big, like, you know, I- I'm not interested in Italian sports cars that you can't drive really anywhere, but, um, you know, Lamborghinis, very popular among the uh, PPP loan fraudsters. Uh, so we had one case uh, in March. There was a guy down in Texas. He gets busted. He 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 apparently used the proceeds of his PPP loans to buy a fleet of luxury cars, um, including a Corvette Stingray, a Porsche Macan, and a Bentley, a convertible Bentley that apparently cost $250,000. He bought homes. You know, he was you know, $17 million. You can do a lot with that. So. Um, But, you know, that's not going to go unnoticed. And and it didn't in his case. Um, We had another case where Guy, uh, he was the very first person to be arrested for uh, COVID-19 relief. Uh, aid fraud this was at the very beginning it was like in may of 2020 so it was like i, th- I think somebody sort of t- tipped the fbi off and they, they went and they arrested him he was filing for restaurants that he didn't actually own you know it's like trying to get ppp loans and you know trying to get a half million bucks and uh he fakes his own suicide you know he's been arrested he's got a monitoring brace cuts it off like you know leaves his car by the ocean in rhode island somewhere and uh, you know, with a note and then he goes on the lamp. But, you know, the marshals caught up with him and you know, he's now in, in jail. Um you know, so there was that one. We have uh this one just came across that like, one should
1: be a movie. That one I mean, it just... was you know, the thing when that one oh. was
0: funny was it was like his relatives said something along the lines of like, Well, you know, when they were told, you know, he faked his suicide and they're like, Well, that makes sense. This is just kind of the guy he was. So yeah, I think he was like people who knew him, like you know, they knew what he was up to. So that's <laughs> so uh, a good
1: sign, really. You fake your suicide, people like, of course you did.
0: Right, right, right. <laughs> Um, There was one just uh, like a couple of weeks ago down in Florida. A guy who was, uh, he was like an Instagram influencer. He did a lot of like, you know, how to like make yourself rich kind of lifestyle kind of pictures you know you'd have pictures of him in like really flashy suits and standing in front of cars again a Lamborghini um he was uh, apparently he's been arrested and he's charged with uh, stealing 2.1 million and PPP loans uh with uh part of which he used to buy a $225,000 Lamborghini Hurricane he bought Rolexes and Hublot watches and you know Vuitton and Gucci and Chanel clothes so, you know he was really you know kind of living it up so uh, or accused allegedly so he's uh, um, you know he's in facing trial now um and then there was one in philadelphia which is this was one i liked he was a guy he'd served 21 years for murder uh this back in the 90s He was like a teenager he shot some guy outside a basketball game did his time came out within a week was filing for a ppp loan fraudulently and uh, some unemployment insurance that he wasn't uh eligible for because he'd been in jail um and he got caught right away and he's going back to jail now uh i guess he liked it in there and then we had a really good one that we wrote. This one got a lot of attention. Um, it was an Olympic speed skater, uh, a, a woman named Allison Baver. She was um, 2010. She, you know, was one was a part of the bronze medal uh, speed short form speed skating relay team. They won the bronze. Um, and uh she had since you know she's not skating anymore you know not professionally and uh so she uh, uh had started a uh, like a film production company film and tv production business in in utah and uh she apparently filed for a ppp loan saying that she had 450 employees something like that um and got 10 million dollars so she had zero employees and uh, you know so she and she took some of that 10 million bucks and allegedly used it to finance an Elijah Wood movie it was just some biopic on Ted Bundy um, that came out last year I, I didn't know if she you know she got a producer credit she put in like $150,000 towards that and now she's been arrested and charged with uh, you know stealing this money so she is uh, oh, so she know,
1: actually did help fund this movie with she the, did yeah
0: yeah, right. yeah partly I don't the <laughs> rest of, I don't know what yeah. she did with I don't know if she'd yeah. done it anything with the rest of it but yeah some of it actually went and financed the film so she was you know genuinely trying to you know start you know keep her business up and running but you know she you know, lied about how, how to do that and got money that really should have gone to somebody else it's really the ultimate these are not victimless crimes i think is the point
1: well it's more that it, more talk about speed skating that usually happens in uh <laughs> except every four years
0: right exactly i don't know no, it's a uh, you know not something i, I really have yeah, the olympic i know the olympics are coming up yeah uh but you know it's like uh yeah you usually don't think about the the short track speed skater like don't you know it's an event i don't follow but there it is and,
1: and so these ppp frauds is that the pace of those still going strong or you know has that yeah great...
0: It's it's like, I mean, I follow, you know, the filings from the, you know, the, the U.S. attorney's offices around the country, and there's almost one a day, you know, where somebody's getting nabbed for these, um, you know, because it's really it's kind of hit its stride now. I think, as I said, it's sort of a pattern. It's like, uh, you know, they go, you know, somebody does does the theft. It probably takes you know, 10 months for some, you know, the IRS to start really like looking at the stuff. I think where most people got caught is that they were claiming to have a lot of employees and now the IRS is kind of looking, doing a audit and they're like, you know, you never paid any payroll tax. What's going on here? That's a pretty major discrepancy. Um, you know, then they start to look and I think that, you know, it all falls apart rather quickly. I mean, the, the big sort of loophole with the PPP program is that, the the lenders who were the middlemen in this you know they were sort of given the instructions from the federal government to just get that money out there as fast as possible they wanted to keep the economy flowing so as long as you were submitting the requisite documents there wasn't a lot of uh, uh oversight at the beginning they were just cutting the checks. so people were forging tax returns i mean that was really ultimately and 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 and, and uh, payroll documents they were just making them up and you know it looked looked good on the surface and but yeah closer look under the hood now these guys it's popping up i mean it's like almost in every jurisdiction it was all over the country so um you know they're clawing it back as best they can you know they'll never get it all but you know there we are
1: great and uh, another theme that you know, there are a bunch of stories that fell into is various inside jobs mm-hmm. at companies uh yeah. you know it's of course pretty common there's one that you talk us through that involved you know probably the most creative use of credit card refunds I've right. ever uh, seen before.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, in these cases, it's oftentimes like, you know, the person who's closest to you is the one who's like to watch out for. So, you know, a lot of companies, small companies out there, you know, they'll have like a CFO or a controller or, you you know, some payroll person who, you know, has access to all the books, you know, and and, and has check writing authority. Uh, in this case, it was a, a company in uh, Ohio, I believe it was a gateway packaging corporation. They made boxes basically, and, you know, not a big company, but, you know, they employed like, you know, dozens of people. It was an old company, family-run business, and they had a controller who worked for them for years. And she had figured out a, a, a way to to basically, you know, use the corporate credit card make charges and then get refunds issued for the charges but she would steer the refund into her her own bank account um and uh, so she was basically skimming all this money and ultimately in this case it was really pretty tragic because um you know, it wasn't a big company and she stole, uh, you know, about $200,000 and it drove the company into bankruptcy and all these people who had worked there for years, like had to go on unemployment. It was really terrible. You know, she just, you know, these people trusted her and, but you know, there she was. And, and, you know, this happens not infrequently, you know, with companies like this, they have somebody there that's worked there for a long time. And who's just, you know, doing. they do it bit by bit. So it doesn't quite, you know, you don't catch it. But then ultimately, and I wrote one the other day where it was, um, woman she was the ceo of uh like the u.s arm of this german company that made saw blades like you know tungsten carbide you know uh, industrial equipment and you know it's there in germany she's here in america and she was basically embezzling like crazy she's still like well she's accused of stealing 15 million dollars from this company and you know they only caught on to it when suddenly you know like checks are bouncing you know things like, hey how come the corporate credit card for this guy got rejected? Like. And, uh, you know, so suddenly they take a look at the books and, like, hang on, there's a giant hole in our accounting here. And, you know, now she's facing federal charges. She was using that money to, you know, buy, she was, had a side business selling like luxury clothing and, like, a, she had like a boutique basically that she was financing and, you know, taking her family on trips to New York and staying at the Plaza Hotel and, you know, those kind of things. So she, you know, got away with it for a long time. Um, there was another one in Massachusetts. This was, uh, last year, this was kind of a long story, but, um, fancy shoe company, like a, a couple of hundred years old. They made, you know, very bespoke kind of men's like, you know, dress shoes. Um, and they had a, a, a CEO or CFO, sorry. Um, worked for them for years and years and years and uh he apparently fell in love with a woman who was a local tv anchor uh uh, who was unrequited as i understand it um but you know she had ambitions to become a tv personality and he just took it upon himself to finance the production of some talk show she was trying to do and he stole 30 million dollars from this company and it was a family-run business they didn't go bankrupt but i think that was a lot of the family's money um you know, so then I, you know, that, that, that was basically, was, you know, lo- love. I mean, it was a kind of a really sad and pathetic story and it was this unrequited thing. And, you know, he really fell for this woman and just, you know, spent $30 million on her and wow, you know, and, uh, that's but that's what it did, you know
1: things well, left with her career after that was well
0: uh, uh, the talk show didn't take off yes. so i think that got canceled and uh you know she's uh not uh she had been like a local weather anchor person at one of the local boston stations i don't think she's there anymore and um you know she's as i understand is trying to figure out her way in tv but she doesn't have this you know financier at this point you know
1: Well, another uh, theme that's run through your coverage, and it's already one I I think popped into some of the questions you guys were asking, is crypto. Well, crypto and and SPACs, as well, are I I think two areas we've seen uh, growth in financial crime. Uh, Why don't you talk through some of the big ones? Those, you know, um, I mean, my favorite one (laughs) he did involved uh, Stephen Seagal, um, you know, the the former movie star who has dogged your whole career, Lucas, I know you've written about him. Uh...
0: <laughs> I've written a lot about Steven. He, he pops up in a lot of places and not just in his movies. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, you know, crypto, obviously new territory, um, you know, it's increasingly becoming regulated now as, you know, banks and regulators are sort of figure out what to do with this thing. But, you know, there was a long period where this was a total free for all. And there was a lot of, you know, Uh, guys taking advantage of the the appetite for it and the lack of real uh, clear oversight. So uh, the one around Seagal, I mean, he wasn't really... He was sort of mind, like tangentially involved in it. What was a major, major fraud, but he was not like the active fraudster here. But um, these guys—it was a group of Serbian. I mean, they were basically, I think, you know, accused gangsters. Uh, they, you know, they they launched a coin. It was called B two G. It was like Bitcoin second generation. Um, I think that's what it was called, and you know they did an offering and they they sold sort of stock in the company. They claimed they had a big mining operation. I think somewhere in China. I can't remember exactly the details, but they claimed to have this very large, well you know built out and established mining operation, which they they did not apparently. And uh, you know they raised money from investors. You get a leg in. You'll get paid out early at a preferential rate on this new coin that we're going to offer. It was a fraud. I mean, it was just, I don't even, I I won't even go so far as to say it was a Ponzi scheme because I don't think they paid out to anybody. They just took the money and disappeared um you know and they never paid anybody back um you know they were people living in parts of the world that are not easy to get to um you know it was a very kind of
1: classic financial crime
0: thing um but they got but
1: seagal it, to promote this scam right exactly that was, at yeah. one point they went
0: to seagal and they said look yeah. if we give you like two, i think it was 250 thousand dollars we like basically promote it on your social networks because he's got like you know a million followers on twitter and things like that you know he's he's got fans still um you know and uh so he did. He took the money and he said, you know, this is the greatest offering ever, And which was a violation of SEC uh, rules because he never disclosed that he was actually like being paid to do this. Um, so he ended up paying a fine. I, I think it was like he, he had to give it was like he was given two hundred and fifty thousand. He had to pay the two fifty to the sec and find a and hundred thousand extra, you know, and, and he acknowledged, he said, look, I, I, this was a total, I mean, I was he, his, his, uh, agent, I think told me, was like, you know, he was as much a victim here as anybody else. Cause he didn't, you know, he, he thought they were legit. He didn't know. I mean, look, you know, they came, they were going to pay him to just say this stuff is great. So he did it and uh, he got in trouble for it. So, But there you go. Steven Seagal right in the middle of a Bitcoin scam or a crypto well, it
1: scam. It probably won't be the last time we see celebrities promoting uh, cryptos and NFTs and getting into trouble. We, there was just uh, it's a case right now um, going on along those lines. Uh, what else crypto wise? Uh,
0: um, we do the story um this is a whole scam where guys were they were doing um phone spoofing so they would like basically um kind of take over your phone they would get they had a somebody inside it. I believe it was at Verizon um who was you know helping them transfer control you know if you get a new phone you port the the the, the phone the phone system over from one device to another Um, you know, which if you're authorized to do is easy. They, they were not authorized to do it, but they figured out how to do this with the help of this insider. They would get the, your, your phone would just be like taken over and your whole, uh, uh, operating system would be transferred over a device that they had, uh, they would target people who kept their crypto wallets there and they would like go in and like take your crypto. Um, you know, they would tap into it. Um, sometimes they would blackmail people. They would, you know, you had photos on your phone that were maybe not what you wanted the world to see. And they would threaten, you know, we're going to send this to your family because now they have your whole phone book and everything. It was really sinister stuff. Um, it was this whole crew of guys They were all over the country. Um, and the case we wrote about was a guy who was a, student at the university of california in san diego so he was like 22 or something you know and he was like sort of part of this thing he was you know taking this money and you know living the high life you know it's just you know you probably looking pretty good to his classmates and uh you know but that's how you know they, they busted that one up so there's that kind of stuff you know where guys like so, you know again it's a follow the money kind of thing they go they see cryptos like sort of being hidden in these kind of corners and you know it's not in a vault or in a bank account that's harder to get to it's like on your phone like if they get your phone they figure out how to do it
1: um and that's the crazy thing you know as secure as crypto is uh it's only as strong as the weakest uh link which right. when there has been hacking it always seems to be it's not the blockchain itself being right. hacked in any way it's the exchanges or you right. know the, the, the apps i guess in, in exactly. this case um
0: yeah and it's interesting you know it's it's uh uh you know it, it, it's also like you know i mean if you have your bank account broken into you know the bank will sort of vouchsafe for you nice. and make you whole often sometimes that's an effort to do it but you usually like, your credit card gets ripped off like the credit card companies stand with you um crypto you're kind of on your own in some ways and there's not like the the, the infrastructure isn't in place in the same way um you know we sort of saw I mean we were talking okay. about SPACs here. You okay. know, so SPACs again a kind of newish concept. Um and it sidesteps a lot of the, you know, the more robust kind of protections that the SEC has put in place for IPOs, which is um and we saw this happen in the uh the 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 launch of uh, Nikola, the the electric truck company. Um, you know, the founder there, Trevor Milton, he was indicted or last year. Uh, for basically the you know the lockout period where after an IPO happens where you're not allowed to discuss you know the company beyond what's in the in the publicly released documents doesn't apply when there's a SPAC because the the public listing exists and it's just an acquisition so he went out and was you know really hyping up this company in a way that he wouldn't have been able to if it was a traditional IPO obviously he was kind of lying about what was there and he, you know, roped in a lot of investors, you know, through some of, uh, through some of things like Robin Hood, you know, young people were really trying to get ahead of these things. And this was, became kind of a hot stock and, you know, it turned out these electric trucks that he was saying, you know, we have these prototypes and they work and stuff like that was like all fraud. It was all a lie. They, the, the prototypes didn't work. They didn't have technology. They were, you know, sort of presenting, trucks that, you know, sort of, even when they would roll them out, they, they were literally like plugged into the wall, you know, or, you know, put together out of Frankenstein parts uh, from other vehicles kind of thing. So it was really, it was pretty bad. But, you know, he found this very obvious seam, was able to run up the value of this company very quickly because he didn't, he didn't have that muzzle on him because of the structure of the spec.
1: That's um, some serious hubris. <laughs> yeah, right. into the wall. Yeah, for sure. All right, before we get to questions, uh, there's some really fun, weird financial crime stories you've done. I think it's worth uh, running through some of these. Sure. Um, one of my favorites is probably the best scam involving a cow since Jack and the Beanstalk. <laughs> <Right>. uh,
0: <laughs> um, yeah, this one was uh, uh, a, a rancher in Colorado. He was trying to... Um uh the the proposal was that he was uh trying to breed a like a new kind of cow it was like a a high alpine you know high high altitude cow um you know so they were and uh (laughs) You know, he went out and like got investors you know, people who are he, he apparently the guy himself. so his name was richard sears he had, was uh he he would uh he ran a business that did like very high-end hunting elk hunting out in colorado so you know he had these very wealthy kind of hunter outdoorsy type guys so he sort of pitched them on this and uh, ultimately it turned out to be a ponzi scheme you know it was like well, there's no they,
1: such thing right as a high they, altitude cow <laughs> they, they were not <laughs> able to,
0: to to do it right you know or he he was never able yeah. to really generate i think they they in theory you should have been able to do it but he he was not actually doing it um but uh you know so he he sold them on this crossbreed of cow and he had this very kind of elaborate thing where you would like you would lend him the money. He would buy the cows and like manage them, take care of them, feed them. And then like would pay you a percentage, uh, uh you know, of, of, he would like, the cows would have babies. They would, you know, they, he would keep the babies and whatever money he made off that, like he would give you 10%. And eventually you could just like sell him your cow for full price or whatever, but, you know, like never paid out. And uh, you know, everybody who invested lost their shirts because it was a Ponzi scam. And, you know, Usually Ponzi scams are just like around real estate or something like kind of really anodyne, but this one was kind of weird because it was like about non existent cows. It's kind of <laughs> got my attention.
1: Excellent. All right, let's do one more before the question. This was our most read story of uh twenty twenty one I think and uh also like so many of these seems straight out of a movie, but uh right. <laughs> involves I mean, go ahead <laughs> you know, I, uh, I mean
0: it was it, it, it it's one of these things where you just you can't really believe i was reading the, the 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 court papers on this i couldn't even really quite believe that this was for real but um so there's a casino in los angeles so it's called the bicycle casino it's a it's a card room they don't it's like be basically go that's for high stakes poker um and they had a apparently a guy would who was a frequent visitor would come with like literally duffel bags full of cash and and he would swap them out for chips and you know play these marathon he was whale as they call them in the gambling world uh he would do these marathon uh uh uh, uh you know card games you know for hours and hours and hours and uh he would uh uh you know then you, what you're supposed to do the casino really in the end the casino got in trouble here because when somebody does this you know you you put a you, you do a transfer of that cash in for chips and then ultimately you cash out it's essentially a mechanism that could be used for money laundering so the casino is supposed to file with fincen uh you know that that this happened the transaction and so what they did in this case is that the guy he would have his assistant go and actually cash out you know cash in and cash out so the assistant's name was showing up on the document but it wasn't really the assistant's money so Ultimately, the casino, like, was hit with a a fairly hefty fine for this. You know, it was was an accounting mistake was how it was deemed. But, you know, there was obviously, like, they'd been under investigation for some time. There was another casino in L.A. that was shut down because of this. So... I think this was a thing that was known um, and a, a concern for law enforcement as a money laundering venture because you, know, you come in with dirty money, you exit with clean money. It's a very easy transaction, um, you know. But if it's you know handled properly, it should be okay. But they figured out a way around here to not handle it the right way, and you know the casino got zapped. Um, they never identified the whale, so I don't know who it is. Somebody who was a Chinese national who would fly to L.A. like do these know crazy games and then like leave probably know? george
1: clooney you know? yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> right yeah like right this is the low rent ocean's 11 movie right, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right um yeah that's a, that's an amazing one mm. all right, we got a lot of good questions here let's sure try to get through some of these so jose uh, asks which three industries are most affected by fraud today uh, and where are the greatest weaknesses um, right now?
0: Um, um, well, uh, yeah, this is a good question. I mean, obviously it's, uh, you know, banks are uh, on, you know, are very uh, attuned to keeping an eye out for this, but, um, you know, it's like, so if you're in like tr- more traditional banks, you're probably at the safest, but it's like, I think when you get in the sort of the outer edges of the finance world, uh, you know, crypto obviously like leaves a, a bunch of things open. You know, there's a bunch of frauds that go on where companies get zapped. There's this whole, like, it's called business email compromise, where, you know, basically get like real criminals. This is like hackers and criminals, like, basically get into your uh, email and, uh, you know, companies email and they figure out transactions are about to happen. You know, you're about to make a big payout to another company and they would send it like a fake email. Reportedly, from the other company be like when you make that payment can you just put it in this account instead of the one you usually do and it you'd be surprised how often that actually works and and it does and like money just gets like disappeared into the financial system and it's like gone before you know it um you know uh uh you know the, the so you know anything that's very online obviously has a lot of vulnerabilities um i think that uh, uh, areas that, you know, uh, you know, where you see a lot of problems is really just individuals. You know, a lot of people are, you know, like it's the classic thing, you know, people who are maybe not that sophisticated financially or, you know, or like elderly, you know, they, they really target like the real gate, like real criminals go after people like this. It's labor intensive, but it's effective. Um, you know, companies are, a new word uh more so because they you know have people work on this um and, and consultants and stuff but um going back I to I the original what you're point,
1: saying about yeah. retailer or, or like yeah. non-non-financial companies being right. at greater risk because they haven't have the you know experience dealing with as much of this as doug had a related question mm. what can law enforcement regulators and financial institutions do to increase consumer and business awareness of uh these threats um you know, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll before I go to you, I'll plug a recent episode we did of the podcast to do the best new ideas and money. We looked at um, it's called behavioral biometrics, which the uh, uh, online retailers are sort of taking a page from the banks, looking at ways to help exactly the Doug's question, help people protect themselves by creating profiles of each of our behavior, like the way we type, how we hold our phone when we do certain things and they you know they use all that to know if it's really you doing things without you actually being aware or having to identify which of these pictures isn't a fire hydrant or whatever (laughs) uh but but you know i think to doug's point like more education of consumers to prevent you know people falling prey to stuff is Mm. um probably a big big part of it
0: I do think, yeah, there's a there's a soft underbelly, you know, obviously, the largest financial institutions have the resources to police this better. And, you know, they do things like even simple things like two factor authentication. You know, that's very costly to actually implement like so, you know, smaller banks. You know, regional banks have trouble with this. Retailers, obviously, this is like would be a big cost for them to implement it. I mean, it's very effective. Two-factor authentication is like, you know, kind of the gold standard for a lot of financial transactions. Uh, But it's, you know, it's only certain places really have the ability to do that. And that's where we sort of lie. And the scammers like kind of know that, you know, that there's still a lot of soft spots. Looking
1: through... You know, we were not going to answer this one, but we, Lucas, you'll appreciate Mm -hmm. hearing. We got a question from our former colleague, Myron, Ah. at the New York Post. But Myron, (laughs) if you're listening, we will uh, have to get back to you later with that question.
0: Yeah, sure. (laughs) Hi, Myron.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, Arturo says, just curious if uh, you follow the anecdotal cases only for reporting and journalistic purposes. Do you have any, are there any interesting aggregate stats or trends? uh, you know, th- that you've seen. With um,
0: yeah. I mean, look, the, the, obviously the big, uh, government agencies that track this, the FTC, you know, the, uh, uh, the secret service does this, you know, where they, they all usually at the beginning of a year will do like some data, um, you know, like, uh, around, you know, certain kinds of fraud. Um, it's, but you know, a lot of it is sometimes hard to totally understand the scope of things. Um, I did a story this year about catalytic converter theft. I mean, this is a little off off like out of left field a bit, but you know, my catalytic You had personal convert. experience
1: right. with, with right. this crime.
0: Yeah, my catalytic converter was stolen from like literally a block away from <laughs> yeah. my house. And uh uh, you know, I realized that this is a big deal. And, you know, I you know, there, there's like a, the auto insurance, you know, association, like things like that. They do keep data on this, but it's like it's always hard to stay totally current with it it's like you know like the data was like two years old because it's you know it comes in kind of slow so it is a bit piecemeal there is data out there you know on the scope of it but sometimes they're just big holes And i struggle with that trying to do these stories and put contextualize them in 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 the proper way i mean sometimes we just do these stories because they're just interesting and maybe there isn't like a broader context, but you know there often is and sometimes it's actually a bit of a challenge to fully understand that um I try my best but you know i don't I don't always succeed all
1: right there, there, these questions are coming in fast we're not going to be able yeah. to get to all of them probably but we'll try to reply to um afterwards post some of mm. this if we can uh let's see. I don't know if you're looking at the list too if there are any no. jump out of you uh yeah, Alexander asks: Are we seeing an uptick in charitable organizations fraud fraudulently obtaining funds? Or um, I, I, or-
0: I have not. I, yeah. I, I haven't seen that. It's not to say it's not yeah. happening. I mean, most of the, 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 the frauds that you're seeing uh, are coming from individuals who, you know pretend to have a company. Um, that's not to say it's not happening. I'm sure it, it, it is. I, I just haven't seen a lot of it.
1: Richard asks, how much does tax fraud cost the U.S. Treasury each year? I don't know if we have that stat handy, but what can be done to minimize the, the evasion? And that is an area you know we've been covering, mm. uh, especially as the IRS has been under uh, staffed in so, in uh, recent years. and you know, I think the pandemic is not helping uh things uh well i just as a you know we'll try to get that that, that info to you richard but i will say maybe we can end with uh, lucas had my favorite tax fraud story hmm. uh recently it was a guy who you would think has no reason to be uh you know you know fraudulently filing his return he had just won there wasn't the powerball
0: Oh yeah, he won. Yeah, he, yeah, he won the Powerball yeah. or the yeah. Mega yeah. Millions. I forget yeah. one of one yeah. of the two. He won like a million bucks, and uh,
1: <laughs> I I gather
0: he was a guy who was like kind of an inveterate gambler. He was just you know con- so he you know he he was able to declare in his taxes. Uh, you know, a million-dollar prize-winning, uh, uh, you know, uh, in income. But he also declared that that year he had lost a million dollars in 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 lotto tickets and gambling, which seemed like pretty ridiculous. And so, you know, he ended up paying zero tax. Fact was, he had actually only lost three hundred and fifty thousand dollars that year. See, so he did, you know, he failed to declare uh, six hundred and fifty thousand dollars in 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 that net gain. So you know, they they got him on that. You know, I think that that seems like, you know probably pretty easily checkable if there's one thing that's like kind of weirdly fraud proof it's actually the lotto like they really really like this pretty transparent like you know how who the winners are who wins what how it gets declared like um so you know i think yeah lying on your taxes about your about your lotto ticket winnings is like probably pretty foolhardy and in his case it certainly was
1: he should have quit while he was ahead and bought a lamborghini yeah right yeah sure <laughs>
0: right exactly all
1: right well i'm sorry we didn't get to all the questions we'll try uh to see if we can um reply afterwards mm. um but thank you lucas uh, thank you know you. for doing this today um Barron's live will be off monday in observance of martin luther king jr day um please join baron's special event on tuesday uh a better economy uh inclusive recovery um Thank you for listening and stay well. Have a good day.
0: The energy transition is a long and winding road and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.